We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And this week has been dominated by discussing the Carlos Correa signing in the middle of the night, the heist by Steve Cohen. So speaking of the Twin Cities, let's go up there right now. My good friend is the voice of the Minnesota Twins on radio, Corey Provis. Corey, how you doing? DA, my man, happy holidays to you and yours, buddy, and uh, great to be on with you today, my man. Back at you. Happy holidays to you and yours, the Provis clan. And, you know, this the Carlos Correa signing obviously kind of came out of nowhere for the Mets. Correa only had one season with the Twins. He signed that big deal, and then it was kind of year to year to year. Did the Twins make an offer to try to bring him back after this past season? They did. I mean, uh, multiple reports, uh, Dan Hayes and Aaron Gleeman, who covered the team for the Athletic, uh, after Correa came to that verbal agreement with the Giants, it was reported the Twins went as high as 10 for 285. Um, but, but you know, Correa and Boris and his camp, you know, said no to that. And then uh, the, those same writers, Dan and Aaron, had a story, I believe, late last night, if not early this morning, that, when everything broke off quickly with the Giants, that Scott Boris did reach back out to the Twins to see if, if they wanted to up their offer. And per the report, the answer was no. And then it was pretty much uh, New York and Steve Cohn from, from that point onward. But all along, there was interest. The last series of the year, last season, D.A., the Twins finished in Chicago. And Derek Falvey, the Twins, president of baseball operations, and he'd be on the road. It wasn't unusual, but he did make it a point to be in Chicago for that last series. And I'm sure some of that was, uh, was you know, because of Correa and just to begin maybe face-to-face conversations about where he's at, where he's thinking. Uh, I, I don't think it was just, you know, to finish out the year and Derek was there. I think he tried to spark those conversations. But I, there absolutely was mutual interest uh, to bring him back to uh, Minnesota. But uh, from we, where we sit, and we watched the games. Uh, sadly, did not happen. So the Twins wanted him back. This situation with the health is still murky. Why the Giants got cold feet? What the health situation could have been? Was there any concerns last year? Any knowledge of something lingering with Correa? No. And you know, I, I asked about that uh, not too long ago, and they they went through a pretty you know thorough exam when he signed you know the three year deal. Yes, it turned out to be a one year deal, but they did have a pretty thorough. Uh, examination and there were no no issues to my knowledge that came up and uh, made what 35 million uh, last year and, and played really really well so yeah I mean he had the injury what was that in 14 uh, when he was in the minor leagues and he hurt his leg and, and really the running game has not been much of who he is as a player now some of that is, is analytically driven uh, we'll see if some of that changes now with with the rule change going uh, from 15 to 18 inches with the bases but anyway the, the Twins had no reservations uh, medically when they signed him to that deal. So I think they were surprised, as all of us were, that something came up when the Giants had that exam. Corey Provis is the voice of the Minnesota Twins. You watched Carlos Correa last season, obviously, star for the Twins. And, 
you know, there was big expectations of the Twins last season. Unfortunately, the season began to kind of unfurl in August and September, but he was still solid. Correa was still really good down the stretch. How good was he when the rest of the team was struggling late in the year? He had a good season going, but then then it became great in September. Uh, he got off to a really bad start. You know, it, it, when his signing happened, you know, it was it was a little bit late, so he was behind, and he did not perform at that clutch big level early in the season. Now, if that happens again, you know, playing in New York, it may not go as well as it did in Minnesota, uh, you know, last summer, but. He had a really good season, and what a treat it was to watch him play. I mean, the guy gets it. And when I say he's analytically driven, he is. He wakes up every day, and he looks at Fangraphs. He looks at uh, Baseball Savant. He studies where he's at with his peers. And here's a guy, that, and you'll see it you know, this upcoming season, that you know, when there's a pitcher-catcher meeting at the mound and, and you know, pitcher and catcher not on the same page, you know, not unusual for the shortstop to come over and listen, but Correa would not only listen, but advise. And he would hear what the, the conversation was. And he knew if the pitcher and catcher were debating, hey, it's a one-two count slider, he would say, no, 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 no. You can't throw this guy a slider. Here's why. He would know what, like, the batter's OPS was with a one-two count against a certain pitch. I, I was stunned by that, that he, he, could, he could just – the recall that he had, in those kind of moments, I thought was awfully, awfully impressive. But he would study himself every single day. How is he ranking with his peers? And some of that, I'm surprised he did, you know, just agree to, to not play short because he's such a good shortstop. And he really was excited about, you know, the shift being gone and the chance to make those plays in the hole and up the middle. So some of that surprised me that, that he did move off short in the manner that he did. But he's a very analytically driven player. And, of course, some of that, of course, and maybe all of it goes back to where his uh, career began in Houston. How do you think he performs at third? I don't know. I, I, I think he's going to be fine because he's an athlete. He's 6'4". He's got a great arm. He's got range. He's got all the tools. Now, I think there's going to be an adjustment. You know, I, I think, you know, the hot corner and the ball coming off just a little bit faster there against right-handed batters. I think some of that will be an adjustment. But the guy's got just incredible range. So to see him dive to his right, I think he'll be able to make those plays. Um, you know, he, he's got that, that, that two-seam grip that just comes natural to him on all of his throws. It just It's the ball out of his glove right into his hand, and he just has that two-seam grip. So when he does make you know, a, a rare miscue, it's not so much on his throwing because he just has that, that, that firm grip every single time. I think he'll be fine because he's a great athlete and just an awesome player. But I, I think he loved playing short. I know he loved playing short, and he was giddy, man. He was really, really fired up to just make those athletic plays that, that the new rules were going to allow these guys to make. Mm. Interesting. Corey Provis is the voice of the Twins. He watched Carlos Correa last season. Obviously, Correa is the big news in baseball this week. Is there grumbling in Minnesota about the rich getting richer and Steve Cohen blowing the, uh, the salary luxury tax out of the water around baseball? Yeah, I'm sure that will come up, you know, in next month. I think right now everybody's like, ah, whatever. Well, once we start into the off-season events and the Twins do their annual caravan and have their annual, you know, fan event, you get closer to spring training, you bring everybody together, I think that will come up. But, look, you know, I heard Alana Rizzo say this on, on, on MLB Network the other day, and she brings up a valid point that, 
if you own a baseball team, you have money to spend. And the Twins have done that. I mean, they have been a team that has spent the last few seasons. I saw this on Twitter that they have spent more on free agents the last, what, three or four years than the Red Sox have. I found that stunning wow. to believe. If, if I read that accurately, the Twins were like top 10, top 11 of the game. And just in terms of free agent spending the last, you know, handful of years. Uh, so I, I think that they were in a window to contend and I thought they had certain guys they were, they were looking at. But there's also a side of it that, that we are never privy. And it's always when a guy doesn't come here, DA, it's like, well, they, they, they didn't offer him anything. Some of it is also, does the player want to come here? And I don't know if that's the stuff that just doesn't come out as much as it probably should to take some of the blame off ownership and off the GM. Do people want to come here? You know, it is cold. It's cold here in April and May. It's tough to, to put up really good numbers there unless you're Byron Buxton. The guy's incredible here in April. I mean, he's done it the last two seasons. But it's not for everybody. And I think some of that, you know, is a factor. And I think spring training and, you know, guys – that, that live in Arizona and train in Arizona, they want to sign with a team that's in Arizona. I, I think some of those factors that, that probably should, should be more disclosed because I think it would help defend the case at times for, you know, teams, mid to small market teams, not always getting the guy that, that the fans want them to get. Well, do those players truly want to come here? Do they want to go to those small or medium market teams? You know, maybe not. And that's the stuff that we're just not, not too privy to. Mm, that's really interesting. So early in this contract, he struggled. That was the first year that he was under this three-year deal with a couple of opt-outs after the, the seasons. Do you think that there's a risk that he struggles because of the pressures of being this huge national baseball story and this big contract with the Mets? If, it, if, if he does and it happens, I don't think you'll see him show it. He just rarely ever showed public frustration if he struck out big spot late in the game seventh eighth inning you know go ahead run at third base he didn't slam down the helmet slam down the bat didn't mean he didn't do it behind closed doors but he just he just you know did not you know show it too often um but i I don't i don't think it'll get to him too much because look at his career i mean the baseball card is what it is he's going to post he's going to put up his numbers it may not happen uh, as quickly as he wants it to happen, and that's all part of it. Now, if he struggles at third, I mean, if he struggles at this new position, can he separate the defense from the offense? He's trying – his routine, is it going to be altered somewhat because he's playing a different position? Um, that That's the unknown to me. Is that going to be more of a mental hurdle while he's adjusting to a new spot and he's playing for a really good team – in a massive market, a team that can win it all. If you add all those ingredients together, DA, yeah, that, that may be something to watch. But he's as composed as anybody I've seen. And uh, when he's in his slumps, and, and you, they're, they happen, but he just doesn't beat himself up because he'll look at, and I hate to keep repeating myself, these analytical you know, theories that the guy has and his beliefs, he'll look at his exit velocity. He'll look at his launch angle, and he will cite that to reporters before the game and after the game. If he's one for his last 20, but if he sees that his exit velo is, you know, 98 miles an hour, and his launch angle is where, it wants to, where he wants it to be, you know, the odds are that those are going to be hits eventually. So don't be surprised if you see him kind of, you know, mention that from time to time uh, when, he's in a, when he's in a slump, that if he looks at some of those analytically driven numbers, he's probably not going to be beating himself up too much. Corey Provis is the voice of the Minnesota Twins joining us here on The Fan today. 
Bro, it is always great to catch up, man. Happy holidays to you and yours. I'm sure we'll we'll catch up here soon enough, but thanks so much for the time today. All right, buddy. All the best. Take care, pal. You too. Corey Provis was our guest here on WFAN. Carton and Roberts, Damon Amendolara, DA in for the guys today. Ah, that sounds amazing, does it not? You know, as a Mets fan, you just, you are, you are conditioned to waiting for the bad news. We're all conditioned as Mets fans to wait for the bad news. And, you know, hearing Corey talk about how analytically driven and how studious and how baseball intellectual Carlos Correa was, and he studies the film and studies the stats and knows the pitches coming up and helps coach the rest of the guys and point out these things and that things. This is the one thing that I think feels different, and you guys can weigh in on this as well if you feel this way. feels different about this, this recent spending splurge by the Mets. Once upon a time, when the Mets went all in on spending, characters sometimes was not the priority. And guys who might have shunned the pressure or the spotlight, not not a priority to, to weigh that. You know, I think back to the really terrible days of the 90s with the Vince Coleman and Brett Saberhagen and that nonsense and those guys weren't ready for the pressure, that whole thing kind of imploded. But even more recently, a guy like Jason Bay, who just clearly wasn't ready for the the pressures, the expectations, the money. You know, Bobby Bo has become a franchise kind of punchline throughout the country, and, and Bobby Bo infamously with the earplugs, and I'll never hear the booze, and he wasn't ready for the pressures. And over the years, there's just been seemingly more emphasis on the name or the back of the baseball card versus the intangibles, the type of pert, the DNA, the expectations, the pressures, the intelligence. You spend a lot of money on Max Scherzer and granted didn't come through when it mattered most. And I was at City Field with my dad watching that thing come apart in the playoffs, but You sign Max Scherzer because that guy's a pro. That guy is a pro's pro, and he's going to take every single start as though it's a playoff start. You bring in Verlander, and the resume is clear. He's a pro's pro, knows how to do the job, World Series champ twice, multiple Cy Youngs, and nobody's ever like a hothead or irresponsible or was immature. No, just pros pro. You bring in a guy like Carlos Correa, hyper-attentive to stats, hyper-attentive to details, helping coach other guys. If you're going to spend money, do it that way. I know Lindor began slow, but clearly Lindor embraces the New York thing. And again, last year when we needed him in the postseason, it wasn't there. But it, it, to me, it wasn't because he was running from it. He wasn't performing. But he wanted to embrace it. He has wanted to embrace this. So if you're going to spend crazy cash, those are the guys to change the DNA of a ball club. Because ultimately, yes, there's a lot of role players that you're going to 
piecemeal here and there. You want them to be veterans and mentors and pros, but the highest paid guys are going to be expected to deliver when it matters most and be the true centerpieces of a culture. It's just, it's impossible when the highest paid player on the team is not the culture setter. It's a bad culture. You know, the reason the Patriots were dominant for 20 years, as we see, had nothing to do with those sixth-round former lacrosse players that Bill Belichick finds on the side of the road. It was Tom. It was Brady. Brady was the best player. He was the highest-paid player. There was the most expected out of him, and he was the culture setter. You can't have a good culture just based on the fringe guys, the role guys, because they try harder. The main guys have to be the main guys. And when you hear that about Correa, you're just like, yes, that's who you need. That's who you want. That's how you win. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.